So we hear uh, about John the Baptist, and we, do we, what do we know about him? Um, it's not so much who he was or maybe his history, but what he stood for. And John the Baptist is somebody that doesn't get enough attention, but that's exactly how he wanted it. Um, and so we're going to balance that. Now, brother, our Father Gabe just read about the reed. Did you catch that part? Jesus says, why did you go out in the desert? He talked about a reed, and he talked about fine clothing. What's, what's this all about? All right. A reed shaken by the wind was the image that Christ used here. That was common. That was not uncommon. So people were going into the wilderness not to see that. You could see that anywhere. They were going for something extraordinary, not something ordinary. At the same time, you know, and you could say, well, there was no kind of like a symbol. You know, Christ uses a bunch of symbolism. Um, in John the Baptist, there's no vacillating. There's no swaying of character um, like a swaying reed. Um, he was stable. He was staunch. He was rock solid. There was no duplicity. And so they didn't go to see some wishy-washy, afraid of the truth, effeminate, non-masculine proclaimer, herald of the truth. That's exactly what they went to see. And that's what we need our priests to be, not afraid of the truth, even though it's going to end up maybe having our heads cut off like John the Baptist. This is why we need to pray for our priests. Now, he said the same thing about the rich people in the palaces. Why? Because they were wearing silk-clad, rich, royal garments, and John the Baptist was wearing a hair shirt and eating locusts and, 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 and honey, wild honey, or wild locusts and honey. And so, no, it was locusts and wild honey, sorry. So this, this is the message. Now, what then, Jesus says, did you go to see? If you didn't go to see reed swaying and fine clothing, what did you go to see? And so basically, it was a man, immovable as a tree. Standing, as I said, for the truth. So first, Jesus pays John a tribute, right? He first pays John a great tribute. John was the herald of the Messiah. What does herald mean? Like some newspapers are called the herald. Some yearbooks in high school, the herald. It's an announcement. It's somebody who comes before to proclaim. So Jesus says John is the greatest of men, all right? Why did so many then, including sinners, come to John for this baptism of repentance? Why? They recognize that God has given John this prophetic ministry, all right? What was it? What was John's ministry? Easy. Repentance and reconciliation with God. Guess what that is? The world needing to repent before receiving Christ. This is exactly what confession is before receiving the Eucharist. We must repent and be cleansed so that we are properly prepared to receive the Eucharist. And so this is a beautiful time. God was offering new life 
and restoration to everybody, no matter how sinful, for those who prepared their hearts to receive Christ because he's now in their midst. Christ is now in your midst. Are we properly prepared to receive him? Therefore, a good confession. You know, the church tells us that we need technically to go once a year. They recommend Lent, and that's excellent. But I would throw in there more than that. Trust me, we all need to go. I mean, there's, there's no, I mean, we could go every day. John Paul used to go every week, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to do that. So if you can't do it on a regular basis, at least Lent and Advent. They are two penitential seasons. And so confession, a good confession of our sins in Lent, and especially, or should say Advent in Lent, is recommended. While the church, as I said, says that we only go once a year, try to go at least these two times, and, and preferably even monthly. First Saturdays, that's the time. Try, try, try to go first Saturdays and fulfill the first Saturday obligation. You could join us right here at the Marians. So anyway, John, basically, what is his role here? John the Baptist is key. He's key. Why? Because and now I'm sharing my seminary notes with you. Again, because we learned in our scripture seminary classes all about this. And I always want to share this. It's, it's, it's one of my joys. Today's a joyful day, Gadate Sunday. And so John completed the cycle of prophets. Now, <clears throat> who was the first great prophet? Elijah. Then there were many prophets, all the way Isaiah and others, to John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, they had, he was the last of the great Old Testament prophets. He's considered Old Testament because he died before Christ, his passion, death, and resurrection. Now, the prophets had longed to see this good news. So, so what the prophets longed to see now came to completion in Christ, and John is paving the way. He's the herald. All right. So why did Jesus seem to contradict this then? Why did he contradict the compliment to John by then saying he's the least in heaven? You ever catch that? All right. Though John was great, he was not born under the new covenant. He was born and died not under the new covenant. He lived and died before Jesus's Passion, death, and resurrection. His work on the cross was done. Now, therefore, <clears throat> he did not enjoy the benefits of the new covenant yet. What a sacrifice, right? The least of the new covenant, the least in the Gospels, is on higher ground than the greatest under the law. John was still under the law. He's preparing us for the covenant of the flesh, of the spirit. The Old Testament is the law. And so Moses and all the prophets would say that they longed to see 
what John the Baptist is now ushering in. And so John the Baptist is the greatest of the prophets, the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament. Why is he the greatest of the prophets of the Old Testament? Because he's closest to Christ. He is. All right, he received this unique mission of being able to point out the Messiah, literally. Literally. So, in the time that, of the Old Testament, he belongs still to that time of only a promise. There's just a promise of the Old Testament where the work of Christ was still to be done. Now, once Christ did that work, we usher in the New Testament, right? Those who faithfully accept God's gift of grace are greater this new covenant, this new testament, than the righteousness of the old covenant, no matter how good they were. And they were given, you know, more. They were given grace. The Old Testament, they were given not the grace, but the promise. So in other words, you got the Old Testament who's living on a promise. And there's a song, Living on a Prayer. Living on a Prayer. They were living on a promise. But now in the New Testament, they're actually living in the grace. That's why the doors to heaven are now opened. So Isaiah is another one. He was 700 years before Christ. Not a lot, but he had prophesied 700 years before Christ that God would not forget his bride. All my talks you hear about the bride, Christ being the groom, the church being the bride, that all, that's all Isaiah. That's powerful. So God promised to restore, restore them because of his love and covenant he made with them back in the Old Testament, but now they broke it. So he had to restore it. That's Jesus. Now through the ministry of John the Baptist, we see the beginning of this restoration and what began the, re, the, the ministry of restoration. What begins your restoration of your life? Repentance and confession. You ever wonder why John, we call him, you know, he's John the Baptist because he baptized, which is what? A cleansing of sin. People came to him and repented. What is that? A forgiveness of sins. Doesn't it make perfect sense that in the scriptures, it is repentance and confession that comes right before receiving Jesus. Doesn't it make perfect sense that that's how the church is set up? Oh, but I don't need the church. Yes, you do. I do. We all do. And it's right here in the scriptures. Right in the Bible, it's very clear that there had to be repentance and confession before the receiving of Christ. So go to confession. Give God your, uh, your, your repentance so he can give you forgiveness. And then you're properly prepared to receive Christ. What an amazing message. And so John announces the coming of this promised Messiah. Christ is now going to fulfill it, but we have to be properly disposed to receive him, right? So Advent, this is a time. This is a time of penance. It's a time of, of, of confession. It's a time of reconciliation, asking for forgiveness, just what John the Baptist was doing. You know, the, the beauty of wearing the rose today and lighting the rose candle is even in the midst of this penitential season, we have joy, an expectant joy. The coming of Christ is only two weeks away. That's what John was saying. The coming of Christ is on its way. 
And so the penance of Lent prepares for the joy of Easter, right? And, 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 and what is that? There's a, also a day where we were rose in Lent. It's called Laudate Sunday. That's the joy, the one Sunday of joy in Lent. In the similar way in Advent, we prepare for the joy of Christmas. So in Lent, we prepare for the joy of Easter. So we have Laudate, uh, or Latare. Did I say Laudate? That's uh, actually an app that I use for prayers. Laetare. <laughs> Laetare Sunday. Right? Laetare Sunday in Lent. It prepares for the joy of Easter. And in Advent, we have Gaudate Sunday, which prepares for the joy of Christmas. And, and you notice I say joy, not happiness. If you heard my talk a couple days ago, I, I mentioned that. I said, there's a big difference between joy and happiness. We can be, we can have happiness in the world. It happened to be, you know, I, I know what it was. It was the Sunday after Michigan beat Ohio State. Because I said, I am happy. I am happy that Michigan, my alma mater, where I graduated, won that football game. It's just, it's just an earthly happiness. There's nothing wrong with that, as long as you don't get carried away. You know, I see some of these things that fans do. I mean, my, my, come on, let's not, let's not get overly carried away. But that's an that's a, that's a earthly happiness. Brother uh, or Father Gabe and I always share the joy. We always talk about the beauty of the 1980 USA hockey team when given no chance to beat the mighty Soviets in hockey, absolutely the underdogs of the entire history of sports, the greatest sporting event ever, and took down the mighty Russian hockey team. There's, there's happiness in that because you, 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 you have pride, pride in a good way. You, 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 you have happiness, but joy goes beyond that. Joy is what comes only that God can provide us. Joy is, is, is that experience that when we're united with Christ and expecting to receive him. So anyway, there is this one Sunday of joyful celebration in both Advent, Advent and Lent. And we're in it today, this Gaudate Sunday. What does Gaudate mean? Rejoice. Rejoice. This third Sunday of Advent. Christ is only two weeks away. All right, as we have Laetare Sunday, which is in the fourth Sunday of Lent. Again, wearing the rose vestments. So let's not forget the reason we're here. So we always say the reason for the season. It's not about material goods. In fact, Christmas Day never used to even really be the tradition of giving gifts. It used to be actually December the 6th, St. Nicholas Day. It's not about consumerism or material goods. It's about joy. Joy even in the midst of a penitential season. So to finish, Christ, our Savior, came to redeem us. Now he will come again at the end of time. So do you know that we celebrate multiple comings of Christ in Advent? There's actually three comings of Christ. Now we celebrate or honor the birth, the first coming of Christ, we prepare in hope and expectation of the second coming of Christ at the end of time. But the third coming of Christ is daily into your hearts through the Eucharist. And you're about to receive him now. So this is the reason. He comes to reconcile all creation to himself. And in between, 
He prepared our hearts to receive him daily in the Eucharist. Eucharist means thanksgiving. And I believe that's why Advent comes right after Thanksgiving. So how beautiful that we didn't even, when we set Thanksgiving in our country um, over 100 years ago, we didn't even know why we were doing it. But God knows why. For me, it's the same thing in life. Sometimes we don't even know why we're doing something. But God has us do it. Praise be to God. And let us this day take a few minutes in gratitude and joy for the expectation in coming, as John told us, that we will receive in Christ. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.